Hey, uh, thank you guys for being here on Father's Day. Happy Father's Day for you guys listening at home. Happy Father's Day. Um, today's the day of beef, jerky, and fajitas, and all the good stuff. Happy Father's Day, Brian. Yeah. Hey, listen, here we are in week three of our um, series of the book of John that we've entitled, This Is Who I Am, where we're discovering who Jesus really is. Hey, Hayden. I see you staring at me. Hey, Jax. Yeah. We're looking through this the sermon series called This, uh, this Is Who I Am, through our look through the book of John, and here we are in week three, and we're only at the beginning of chapter two, so this may be one of those ser- a series that lasts for a couple years. Is that okay? <laughs> at least we're in the Word, right? But here's the deal. John has one purpose. The, John, the author, has one purpose, and that one purpose is for you to believe, to know and to believe this Jesus, our Savior of the world. And that's not my, like, that's not my own words. It's, it's him who's, it's John who says that Jesus is the only way to salvation. No one else, nothing else. You can't do it yourself. Have you, tr- like, have you tried to fix things in your life? That should prove that you can't do it. Right? But it's John's purpose. It's his words that said, it's my purpose in writing this narrative, this biography about this Jesus, about his ministry, was so that you would believe. It's his word. That's why all the way back at the end, all the way toward the end of the book of John, in John chapter 20, verse 31, this is what he says. But all this is recorded, what? Everything that's written before this. All this is recorded here, here is, is so that you would fully believe that Jesus is the anointed one, the Son of God, and that through your faith in him, you will experience eternal life by the power of whose name? His name. That's Jesus' name. That's John's whole purpose in the writing, writing the Gospel of John. And here's what you have to understand. The Gospel of John is really just a letter. A letter to us. A letter to a group of people. And, in this group, and he's just telling the story about what he experienced while he walked with the Messiah of the world. The Christ. The one that would come to save the world. The light that would enter into all humanity. To shine light into the darkest of places. This is John's purpose. John is writing so that you would know him, Jesus, and believe. And today we're going to look at the first miracle ever that Jesus performed. We're, going to look, we're, going to, we're about to look at one of the eight recorded miracles of Jesus in the book of John. And out of the 32, out of the 32-ish miracles recorded in all four Gospels, John only speaks about eight of them. And there's a reason why John speaks about just eight of them. And they all kind of have a story behind all of them. They all have a reasoning. But he believed that if he just told you these eight, these eight miracles, that that would lead you to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, he is God, and that he is worth believing in. Okay? Um, And here's why. This is Jesus' first miracle. And here's why this is important. Why this this is important that it's, this is his first miracle, and why John puts that. Um, and this is kind of a side note um, here, a little bit, but it's but it's an imp- but it's an important side note. Um, John, at the end of this, what we'll read is he'll say this was Jesus' first miracle. Okay, and it has to be his first miracle, or John is a liar, and you can't believe anything in the re- in, in the rest of his writing. And here's why this is important. There's a thing about three to four hundred years after. Um, all the disciples have died. Jesus has died. There was these things called the Gnostic Gospels that came out. You have like, just so you know, um, I'll tell you some. One of them is the Book of Thomas. Um, one of them is the Book of Thomas. Uh, the other one is the Apocryphon of James, or, or it's also known the Secret, the Secret Book of James. 
The other one is called the Gospel of Truth. The other one's called the Treaties on the Resurrection. And the other one is, the last one is the, the Triparatite tra- Tractate. Um, all these are what's known as Gnostic Gospels that were written three to four hundred years after the last disciple had died. Okay? And they claim to be Gospels written by these men who walked with Jesus, and they're not. And in these Gospels, and there's people who believe these are actual, actual Gospels, right? That they're stories of people, from people who walked with Jesus. And, and, and like, for example, in there it said, in, one, in the book of Thomas, one it says, if you read every word of this page, you will have eternal life, which we know that's not true. <laughs> so if you read there, like, why people believe that, I don't know. But, like, in the book of Thomas, like, it says that he, uh, he, made a clay, he made a bird out of clay and brought it back to life. And that's actually in the Quran, too. Okay, just so you guys are aware that story's in the Quran. And, and then also he talks about how, in the book of Thomas, it talks about how um, Jesus was playing in the, playing in, I can almost say schoolyard. Um, it's not really a schoolyard, but playing with some other kids his age. And it says that uh, he, this boy basically made him mad and he cursed him and, it ki- and he, he killed him, but then he went over and brought him back to life. Like these are stories that are in these Gnostic Gospels that aren't Gospels at all because they were written three to four hundred years after the last disciple had died. Um, so this is why it's important. There's people who believe those, um, and this is why if we can't believe John, when John says this was his first miracle, then we can't believe the rest of his book. The rest of his book. You with me? That's just kind of a side note, side cliff. A little interesting. I mean, I, 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 if, if you're feeling kind of sturdy in your faith and you want to go look at read some of the Gnostic Gospels, you can. Um, but I would recommend it if you're not very sturdy and you're still learning to kind of Stay away from those, but you can find. Um, but it, just so you know, if you find like the Book of Thomas, for example, it's not a complete copy of it. Um, it's actually just excerpts from it because they can't find the original writings. Just so you're aware. Side note. Okay, so let's get back to the good stuff. So if any of this were, if any of this was true about, we're not sure you couldn't follow, you couldn't believe anything else in his writing. But I want to start this morning. And I want to read you this quote from this guy named, his, his name is Henry Ward Beecher, and he was a Congregationalist pastor. Uh, there's not a denomination anymore called the Congregationalists, um, but just imagine really, really boring Methodists, okay? <laughs> just saying, I'm saying really, really boring Methodists. I'm not saying they're boring, okay? But here's a quote that he wrote. A man without mirth, and mirth is joy, a man without mirth is like a, like a wagon without, a spring, without springs, in which one is caused disagreeably to jolt by, jolt by every pebble um, over, over, every, over every which he turns. I'm going to read it again because I screwed it up. A man without mirth is like a wagon without springs, in which one is caused disagreeably to jolt by, jolt by every pebble over which he turns. And you can say it like this. A man without true joy is going to be rocked by every, by every experience in life. It's only joy that comes from knowing Christ that we, that we can weather the storms of life's, life's experiences. So we're going to look at this story today. It's one of my favorite, one of my favorite stories um, for a lot of reasons. <laughs> but, um, it's, just, it's really cool to listen to this story. From John chapter 2, starting in verse 1, it says, Now on the third day there was a wedding. Now remember what happened the first two days. The first two days he was baptized. And he got called a couple. He called a couple of disciples. So there's a couple of disciples there. Not all twelve are there yet, but just a handful. Uh, now on the third day there was a wedding feast in the Galilean village of Cana, and the, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his Jesus and his disciples were all invited to this banquet. 
but with so, but with so many guests and attendants, they're, they're, uh, they ran out of wine. And when Mary realized it, she came to him, him being Jesus, and asked, they have no wine. Can't you do something about it? They have no wine. Can't you do something about it? And first, I kind of want to point out this intimate setting here. First of all, they're in this small Galilean village, not even a major city. This small Galilean village, village, uh, village named Cana. And to make the thing even smaller, they're at a, a, a wedding feast, a banquet, which puts the audience just that much smaller, right? And I don't know about you, but if I'm about to perform my very first miracle, this is just me talking. This is probably why it's a good thing that I'm not God. Um, uh, I would want, like, the world stage. You get what I'm saying? Like, I'd want everybody, in, I want, I'd want everybody to know who I was. Like, this is, it would be like me. Like, I, if I was one of his disciples, I'd be like, Jesus, just put it all out there. Let everybody see it. Like, but here's the significance of this small, private audience. And here's the thing for all of us to learn is that God begins in private what he wants on display. You with me? God begins in private what he wants on display. Because when, when is it the easiest to kill something? When it's in seed form. You with me? When it's just beginning. He's begin, he has to begin, a, begin working on the inside of us. Like, like this sermon. Right? For me to preach it, it had to start here. I couldn't just get up here and read and, and proclaim something. There has to be something that's in here that's like it starts on the inside. What God begins something in private. That he wants on display later. Or he can do even like this. I was 12, 13 years old when I felt the call that I, God was calling me to be a pastor and to be a preacher. And here I am, only 20 years later, doing it. But God wants to begin something in private. What will eventually be on display. You tracking with me? Alright? Here's the thing that we have to understand. No matter where you are in your calling, no matter where, where you feel like you're in obscurity right now, don't give up on your calling. Don't give up on your calling. You may be in obscurity now, but you're going to be on display one day. You with me? So while you're still in the, while you're still in obscurity, here we go. And here's the second thing I want to bring out. Mary brings this dilemma to Jesus. One, because she knows that he is anointed one and that he can do something about it. How do you know? I mean, Derek, he hasn't done a miracle yet. Well, I don't know about you, but 30, year, 30 years plus nine months ago, an angel appeared to her and said, hey, you're going to have a baby. And she's like, I haven't even had sex with a man yet. And they're like, I know you've become pregnant by the Holy Spirit, and you're going to it's going to be great. And you're like, but people are going to say some things. You're right, and it's okay, we got you. Like, I think she knows there's something special about Jesus. You with me? You with me? But I want, I want to kind of interject. Can I interject some thoughts for a second? Okay. We don't know exactly Mary's motives here. So obviously, she has something to do with the catering service there. She was part of the service team. You with me? Because, I mean, unless you're, like, servers know some stuff, y'all. I don't know if you ever worked in a restaurant or, like, they know some secrets and things that people knew. Like, so she had to either be in charge or be, have something to do with the service at this time. And she knew that the wine was running out. She knew that Jesus could do something. And here's, here's the thing that we get, two things I want to kind of just want to throw out there. You have to understand is maybe maybe she's concerned about the groom's reputation because I don't know if you know about the history um, of this time, but the groom was responsible for everything. Okay, you know what I mean. The, the engagement would last a year, and during that year they would build a house. Oftentimes, it's in connection to his own father's house, 
right? They had built, they, they, he would prepare a room. You with me? Prepare a room for his bride. And then when that room was done, he would go to her and say, hey, girl, I got our room ready. I'm ready, if you know what I'm saying. So let's, let's get this thing over with. But, but also at these wedding feasts, they would, they, would, uh, they, would, they would provide, the groom would be the groom's responsibility to provide for the, for the feast, for the, from the drinking of the wine to the food. And so his reputation would, would like his, if they ran out of wine, they ran out of joy at this wedding, it'd be what people remembered about him. It would be, his reputation would be, well, he couldn't take care of us for one night. How can he take care of his wife for the rest of their life? So maybe she was concerned about the groom's reputation. Or, or maybe, because this is a family event, right? The family members there, probably some close friends. Maybe she was concerned about her own reputation. And this is just me out here. And here's what I mean. It's like, here she was. She got pregnant before she was married. Not know about you, but in this culture, that's something you can get stoned for. So she had this reputation of, well, she said it was God that got her pregnant, but I don't know. She got pregnant before she was married, and maybe she's. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying this is what it is, but there's a part of me that if I was married, I'd be like, God, I want them. I want you to show them who who you are. I want to show them that I wasn't lying. Because even because even even to, you know how I think this was a real burden on Mary. Because even later in Jesus' ministry, when he's talking to some religious leaders, religious leaders made the comment to the fact of, well, at least we weren't born out of wedlock. So people knew. Rumors were circulating. I'm not saying that's what it was, but there's two. Possible scenarios of why Mary came to Jesus. Concerned about the groom, concerned about herself, concerned about the, audit, the, the ones in attendance having a good time. I'm not for sure. We're just going to throw that. But here's what ultimately what we have to understand is that, is that wine is a symbol of joy biblically. Wine is a symbol of joy biblically. Okay? It also represents blood. It also represents things. But ultimately, it, it represents joy Here's what we have to understand is that since this wine is a symbol of joy biblically, the joy is about to run dry at this wedding. Joy is about to run, run dry at this wedding. And many, and many of us in this room, maybe you're listening online later, and many of us feel like we're being drained right now. Like our wine is, is missing. Like our wine is running dry. Like we're running out. Like I felt that way this week. I felt that way this week, especially at the beginning of this week. And this is kind of a side, this is another side note. And, and here's, here's ultimately the thing, y'all. Um, I was so heartbroken at the beginning of this week. Heartbroken over some news that I'd received a couple of weeks ago about a friend of mine. And I'm just like, I'm sitting there like I'm trying to work on this sermon. And I'm going, I can't because this is so heartbreaking to think about. And so I just want to say right off the bat, if you're losing joy and you feel like you're going to mess up, you're going to screw up, you're going to make the choices that, you're, that, you're, that you will ultimately regret, and, and find somebody to have accountability with. Somebody that will check in with you. You with me? Somebody outside of somebody who lives in your house, because sometimes people live in your house who lie for you. You with me? Find somebody to talk, talk to to keep you honest, because we've got to finish this race. I'm sick and tired of other believers, especially pastors, who, who fall short because they fell alone. Sick of it. We've got to finish this race. We've got to finish. The world needs us. Really, they need Jesus, but they get Jesus through us. We are the light of the world now. That's sorry for my side note there, but 
But many of us feel drained because we were disconnected from the source of true, lasting joy. You with me? We've placed, we've placed our joy in all kinds of things this world, in, in this world, and it's fading away. We've placed it in our kids. We live vicariously through our kids. We place it in our jobs. We place it, you name it, we place our joy in these things, and they constantly fail us. Right? They let us down. How many of y'all were let down by somebody this week? Me, jobs this week, me, like you name it. Right? But we, why do we keep piling our joy and our comfort and our, our stuff on these things that are fading away? It's like we're going to, like, let me just read this. Uh, I didn't put it in there. So let me look it up on my phone. Silly me. There's this, uh, it's almost like we try to, um, we try to, we try to feel, we try to fill ourselves with, uh, with things that don't matter. Or we try to, we have this new relationship, we have this new relationship with Jesus and we try to keep pouring old things into this new relationship, right? You know what I'm saying? Like we try, we try to, we try to feel, okay, what's well Jesus and this? Or it's Jesus and that? And um, I'm going to have to stop talking so I can look this up. But Jesus, one day, talking to some religious leaders, he said, uh, so Jesus says this, Jesus' critics, this is Luke, uh, Luke 5, so verse 33, he says, Jesus' critics questioned him. John the prophet is known for leading his disciples um, to fast often and pray as the religious leaders of the land. We, we do the same. Why do you and your disciples spend most of your time feasting at banquets? <laughs> uh, because there's food there. Um, but Jesus, this is Jesus' reply. Should you make the son of the bridal chamber fast while celebrating with the bridegroom? But when the bridegroom is taken away, taken, uh, taken away from them, then you will see them fasting. And he gave them this illustration. No one rips up a new garment to make a patch for an old, worn-out one. If you tear up, tear up the new to make the make patch for the, for the old, it would not match the old garment. And, and who pours new wine into old wineskins? If someone did, the old, the old wineskins would burst and the new wine would be lost. New wine must always be poured into, into new wineskins. Yet, yet you say the old ways are better and you refuse to even taste the new wine that I bring. We try to things that we try to find comfort in and before Christ. We often try to carry with us in our relationship with Jesus, and it doesn't work because Jesus is the only true source of joy. You with me? You with me? And I was here's a side note before we read the next verse. You and I, the church, okay, we've got to stop condemning what the Bible doesn't condemn. You with me? Because I'm gonna go ahead and answer the question: Is it wrong to drink alcohol? No. What does the Bible say is wrong? To be drunk. Okay? Now, if you're in here and you struggle with, with drinking, you probably shouldn't drink. <laughs> you with me? So, but what happens when we start to condemn something that the Bible doesn't condemn, that becomes legalism. And I don't know about y'all, but it, I look, when I read about Jesus, he was totally against that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, we're not going to, like, legalism is not, like, he looked at the Pharisees and said, you're nothing but whitewashed tombs. You might be pretty on the outside, but you're dead on the inside. So stop condemning what the Bible doesn't condemn. Okay? So, side note, if I'm at your house, and you're like, it's a str- drinking is a struggle for me, guess what? I'm not going to drink at your house. Because the Bible also says not to lead up your, your fellow brother into temptation. 
you're in a house that eats meat, then you eat meat. If not, then you're not. You're a vegetarian that day, even though I might be leaving to get a burger afterward. You know what I'm saying? Did you understand why I put that as a side note? Because I know that question's going to come up. Well, Jesus turned water into wine. Yes, he did. In a minute, you'll see that it was the best wine they ever had. So Jesus wasn't against alcohol. He was against drunkenness, not alcohol. That's a side note. Some people are celebrating, and then some people are going to send me emails later. So it's okay. All right. Here's we're going to go on. John chapter 2, verse 4. Listen to this. And Jesus said to her, and if I said this to Brittany or my mama, whoo, I'll tell you a little bit more about it here in a minute. Woman, what does that have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And first I want you to realize that Jesus wasn't being rude to his mama when he said woman. And back in this, historically, woman would be like uh, saying ma'am. Okay? Or beloved. Or yes ma'am, yes woman. So he's saying, he's saying ma'am, what does that have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And this, that's an interesting verse. Because on the service is like, what is that? What does he even? What does he mean? And if you, what does he mean? And insists, is my hour's not yet come. This, this would totally. If he did this miracle right now, this would totally change the dynamic between Jesus and Mary and Jesus and the world. If Jesus does this miracle, it would pull him out of thirty years of obscurity. You with me? Thirty years of obscurity and thrust him in the direction of the cross. This would, be, this would be his hour. If he did this, it would begin his, his three-year journey to, be, to, to death. Like, I love the way this other translation puts this verse, because I think, it, I think it puts it excellently. It says, Jesus replied, My dear one, or woman, don't you understand that if I do this, it won't change anything for you, but it will change everything for me. My hour of unveiling my power is not yet come. If Jesus does this miracle, it will change everything. It would change his 30 years of obscurity and thrust him toward the cross. Now, I'm not saying Jesus wasn't ready. There's still the human side of Jesus, because remember John, one of John's arguments is he is God in the flesh. And even at the garden, he prayed, if there's any other way, God, let there be, but ultimately your will be done, right? Because he knows if I do this, it's the start. It's the start. When you begin to step out in your calling, you must know your life will never be the same. All eyes are on you. People are looking to you for advice. People are looking for you for, for, as an example. Your life will never be the same. You have to walk differently, talk differently, be different. Actually, in, in Hebrews, it talks about the man who teaches, the person who teaches will be held to a higher standard than anyone else. It's scary to think about. That's why I'm cautious. Like sometimes I get really cautious about what I, what I say and what I talk about. Because one day I might stand before God and go, yeah, yeah, I said that, and I'm sorry. Because <laughs> I'm sure I've said a lot of things that aren't right. But your life will never be the same. But I love, I love Mary's response to Jesus. Because um, Mary was ready. You know what I'm saying? Like Mary was like, show me you are, listen to this. Mary then went to the servers and, to, servers and told them, whatever Jesus tells you, make sure you do it. <laughs> like she, didn't even have, she didn't even turn around to Jesus and say something else. She just turned and said, do what he tells you to do. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. But see, that's, 
That simple request can sometimes be hard, right? Like even for us. It's Mary saying, whatever he's telling you to do, do it. But what if it's, no, uh, no, 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 no. What if, it, what if it's crazy? Like what if it this seems like way out of the norm? Like there ain't no way I'm doing that. And Mary's just like, do it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like there's no like, remember last couple weeks ago when I said, our role is obedience, his is the outcome? Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. We keep reading. Um, now, there were, there were six stone water pots, and I'll explain all this here in a minute. Now, there were six stone water pots standing nearby, nearby. They were meant to be used for the Jewish washing ritual. Each one held about 20 gallons or more. All right? So, can you go on back to the fifth verse and read all that together? Mary then went to the servers and told them, what Jesus, whatever Jesus tells you, make sure you do it. Now there are six stone water pots standing nearby. They are meant to be used in the Jewish uh, washing rituals. Each one held about 20 gallons. And here's the significance of these six stone jars. Six is the number of man. On the sixth day, God created man, right? But more closely, it, it, this number six uh, represents the imperfection of man. And Jesus is about to have to Fill the, like Jesus is about to have them fill these six jars with water. Yes, water. You're like, but they were out of wine. Last thing you want to do is give somebody a bunch of water, right? And this, what this symbolizes is that whatever we, whatever we try to fill ourselves with outside of Him will never, will have no substance at all. Often we try to fill ourselves with things that don't matter. Right, with like, with we try to fill our, our things with things like that leave us wanting more, and it's only Jesus that can truly fill us. We can try to fill ourselves up with whatever whatever we have, but it's not going to work. Like for example, the woman at the well. He's like, "Draw me some water, for I'm thirsty." And she's like, "Who are you, a Jew, talking to me?" And he's like, "Just give me. You have nothing to draw with." And and Jesus just says, "Yeah, the water that you're going to draw is going to leave people thirsty, but the water that I will give." The water that I will fill you up with will leave you where you never thirst again. Right? The second, so, so only Jesus can truly fill us. No matter what we put in the jar, in our, in our jar, in, in, in us, it's only Jesus that can truly satisfy. And the second thing is this, is that these jars are for religious purification. Right? Like they would have a certain way, when, especially when they would be at feasts and banquets, that they would wash their hands. Right? Jewish custom. That's Jesus' argument. Uh, that was the argument what we read about in Luke. Like, like rich, like they they weren't washing their hands. They 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 would wash their hands a certain way. That's what this these six jars were for. Was for for purifying it, purifying this. And what Jesus is about to do is show that only Jesus can truly purify. You with me? That only Jesus can truly purify. Listen to these last couple of verses here. That's what he says. He says. Jesus came to the servers and told them. Came to the servers, so now the audience is even smaller. The audience is even smaller. So we went from a village of Cana to a wedding feast to just the servers. Jesus came to the servers and told them, fill the pots with water right up to the brim. And the reason why that's important is so you know that nothing else could be added. You think nothing else could be added to what Jesus is about to do. He said, now fill, the pitcher, now fill the pitchers and take them to the master of ceremonies, the MC, the guy leading. Right? And when they poured out the pitcher, okay, let's pause for a minute. 
Imagine with me for a minute. These servers are going, this guy is crazy. Because <laughs> it didn't say that the water turned wide when they put it in the pitcher. Like it's still water when they're carrying it. There's, so there's something about us carrying something that it may not look like what it's supposed to be. This is about to be good. I'm a... It may not look like it, what it's supposed to be, what your vision is, what, you, what the, the thing that God told you that you had. It may not look like it. That's why you have to, you have, sometimes you have to write that check in faith. Sometimes you have to take that step in faith. Sometimes you have to move away from that job. Sometimes you have to do this even though it looks crazy. Sometimes you have to carry that picture that doesn't look like what it's supposed to look like. You with me? So when they poured out the pitcher for the master of ceremonies to, to sample, the water became wine. Ceremonies was, was impressed, although he didn't know where the wine had come from, but the servers, I mean, the servers knew. Nobody else knew. Small audience. What God, God will begin in private, what often he wants on display. Right? He called the bridegroom over. The, the one that maybe Mary was concerned about the, his reputation, he called the bridegroom over and said to him, every host serves the best wine first until everyone had a cup or two. Then he serves the wine, the wine of poor quality. So basically, most people wait till everybody gets really drunk and then serves really bad wine so nobody can remember. You know what I'm saying? But you, my friend, you've reserved the most exquisite wine until now. This miracle in Cana was the first of many extraordinary miracles Jesus performed in Galilee. This was a sign revealing his glory and his disciples believed in him. Here's the thing. Here's what we got. Here's the truth. What Christ has for you keeps getting better. What Christ has for you keeps getting better. Keep on getting better. Keep on getting better. So I don't know where life's journey has you right now. Maybe things aren't looking better. Maybe things aren't looking better. My thing is, is maybe you're putting your joy, maybe you're filling your vessels, maybe you're not believing in the right thing. And today, that can forever change. So like I've done every week of this series, you want to do everybody to bow their heads, close their eyes. I'm just going to say this. If you would like today to switch your alliance from this world to Christ, if you would like to put your joy in Christ instead of everything else, else in this world, can you raise your hand for me? Or maybe today you're ready to take your next step. We've got the baptismal pool set up out here. If you'd like to be baptized today, will you raise your hand? I want everybody to look up here at me. For some of us in this room, we've been following Jesus for a long, 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 long time. And we've still placed our faith in our, our wine or we've been filling our vessels with the wrong thing. Today is a day of new change. So before you leave here, before you go eat fajitas that I'm really excited about today, that's what my family have. Make sure you're not filling yourself up with the wrong stuff. Make sure you're connected to the one source 
that can really give you life. And I pray all this. I want to pray. This that's going to be my prayer for you and for us. But God, we want to thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to be here to worship you. That there is joy in this house. If, you, if you're here, there's joy. So I pray that we leave here and that as we leave here, we maybe as we walk through these doors, that we re-examine our lives and go, you know what, I've been placing my hope, I've been placing my faith, I've been placing my joy in all these other things. So I pray that today that we start afresh and start filling our vessel with only you, the wine, the joy that comes from you. And I pray all this in your name. Amen. Hey, thank you guys for being here.